hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. And if you're watching us on YouTube, that's not all. We're joined by two more guest hosts for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We welcome on Tyler and Smitty from around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. How are you guys doing? Fantastic intro, man. Appreciate you having us on. Love being on here as always. I'm always like so thrown off or not thrown off, humbled when people actually want me to come on to their show to talk about something. I'm like <laughs> looking around like me. You want me to come on your show and talk about sports? Of course. So happy to be back. Yeah. And I'm a fan of the show. Listen to you guys all the time. So I'm happy to be on here as well. Well, we're glad to have you on. I, yeah, we're all, the communication is going great already, but we're glad to have both of you guys on. And Berlanti, uh, I'll let you take it away from there. Yeah, of course. Well, it, it is always different when we get hosts of different shows on because everybody has their differing opinions of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And with it being August, there's not much to go on. So we always like to bring on at this time of the year some other hosts, get some other opinions in here to try to challenge us and try to see if we can come up with something new. But I want to start by asking you guys about Kasperi Kapanen because it's fair to say the new contract surprised a lot of people. Uh, why do you think the organization has so much faith in him heading into next season? Smitty, I saw you raise your hand. Oh, no, I was going to walk away is what I was ah, going okay. to do. Because <laughs> the name Kapanen. Um, listen, this was, this was a guy what really baffles me about the whole thing just on the surface was him coming back to the same number, 3.2 million for two years. I really thought like if he's going to be back, it's going to be, you know, a, a, like a $1 million deal one year, prove it, you know, let's see the potential that they, and I think that's to answer your question, what the organization is hoping for. Like they're trying to recapture the season that he shot 30% and actually looked like a guy that could score 25 or so goals in this league. Uh, the chances of that happening in my opinion are slim just because of that. That's not something that's sustainable shooting at 30%. What I will say is I think that there is something there. And, and what I mean by that is I think that what he is, is a third line right winger that should be used more in penalty killing situations and is better defensively than what I think a lot of people give him credit for. And it's probably because, again, I keep saying it, that one season where he shot 30%, everybody was like, this guy's an offensive you know, star in the making. This guy's going to score 30-plus goals at some point in this league. And that's that's obviously not the player that he is. That's not a player that you give up a first-round pick for, but that's on the back burner. That's long gone. It is what it is. I think that he is a useful, valuable player, but obviously at $3.2 million, I'm not a big fan of the contract. What I'm hoping for and what the organization is bringing him back for is, again, not having him in the top six. I'm fine with him in the middle six, like I said, on the third line, maybe using him more in like a defensive role, maybe killing some penalties because obviously they've, they've lost some guys there. Um, but we'll see. But again, I don't know that he's ever going to live up to three point two million. Yeah, and. Honestly, I don't really know what they see in him at this point besides skating up the right wall and turning back and looking for a pass, um, which drives me nuts every single time he does it. But I really just don't understand the contract in and of itself. Um, I thought it was going to be like Smitty said, like a, a one-year cheap cheap dollar contract if they were going to bring him back whatsoever. It, to give him the same contract that he was on, I mean, it's lesser term, but same dollar value, that to me was insane. I I genuinely don't understand why someone like him gets 3.2 million but then Dayton Heinen takes a pay cut to come back at one million dollars it seems like those contracts should be flipped based off last year's results um I I said on our personal show that I was hoping that maybe this year with like no pressure of him being a top six winger 
um, because it's clearly not that anymore, if he ever was, will maybe help his game moving forward in, into this season. And at least, and maybe that's a false hope that I have for Casper Kapanen, but it, it's really what we can hold on to as a fan at this point because I just don't see what value he honestly brings to the team at this point. I, I don't think that he has produced in the one season he did produce, like Smitty said, he was shooting 30%. That's a big outlier in the NHL. It's not going to happen again. Right. So what we get from Casper Kapanen, I don't know. I'm hoping to, to get at least some production from that third line, but I don't really have any high hopes. Yeah, I would say you guys both share my sentiment on uh, the opinions of Casper Kapanen right now. Like Smitty, you said he should be on the he should be trying penalty kill stuff. That's what he did a lot in Toronto. Mm-hmm. He already has more career uh, shorthanded goals than Crosby and Malkin combined. I forget what the exact number is. I mean, those two don't play penalty kill at all, but we know we've seen Crosby on it before. Um, and for the contracts, Tyler, you said it. Him and Heinen should have flipped contracts for sure, without doubt. I think what made me upset whenever we re-signed Captain was I knew right away Heinen's going to re-sign wherever it may be for a million dollars. And there we have it. Yeah, I agree that I don't really share the optimism that the Penguins front office has with the 3.2, but I think everybody Mm -hmm. on this panel right now agrees that it's not that he's a useless player. It's not that he won't be better than last season, because I think when it comes to what he's going to do next season, a big thing last year was confidence. And I think the Penguins Mm -hmm. going out and giving him that same number saying, hey, to us, you're worth $3.2 million dollars. That could boost his confidence heading into next season, and maybe he gets back to closer to what he was in that first season. Again, 30% shooting percentage is asinine. He's never going to do that again. 30 points in 40 games is great. You'd like him to get close to that. But again, you're probably not expecting that. You're expecting him to be a third-line guy, and if he excels in that role and you win a Stanley Cup because of it, then all is well and good. But if not, then you can go back and look and say, well, why didn't we use some of that money on somebody that was going to help us out a little bit more instead of a guy like Kasperi Kapanen? who had clearly his worst season of his entire career last year. Yeah. Uh, to that point, you know, what I'm going to say is it, we'll see what he ends up signing for somewhere. I can't believe he's not signed yet, but say Evan Rodriguez signed somewhere for a similar number. I'm going to be pretty upset that that wasn't the route that the Penguins went as opposed to bringing back Kasperi Kapanen because he also has the ability to play center. And I mean, I'm going to keep harping on it for as long as we see it happen that Jeff Carter, while I'm okay with him still being on the NHL roster, uh, even at his cap hit and even at his age and stuff, I would rather him be playing wing and Rodriguez be playing center for this team. Um, but obviously Rodriguez not currently on the Penguins. We'll see if they can maybe circle back because he's still out there. That, that back half of the season, though, it was just too brutal. Even I'm kind of over that train. But someone who is in a contract year at least um, is the Penguins' current starting goaltender, Tristan Jari. What kind of season do you guys foresee him happening? What does a new deal look like for him in the coming future? I mean, that's crazy because we still haven't seen the the playoffs. You know, he only got one playoff game in last year uh, and it was with a bad foot. And you could t- like anybody that was in that press conference afterwards, the way he was limping, like he shouldn't have even been playing in that mm-hmm. game. He had to play in mm-hmm. game seven because of what they were getting from Louis Domingue. But man, he should not have even been playing. So you don't have no playoff success to go based off of him for a contract. He had a really good regular season last year. Um, but it, it's such a hard evaluation for talking about his next contract at the same time. Like, I don't want to say that the Penguins are backed into a corner at this point, because I think that there's some promise with some, some prospects that they have down there, but none of them are like knocking on the door. Like what's the alternative? Like, I feel like he has kind of all the leverage going against the organization right now when he's talking about looking for an extension. 
Yeah, I mean, the really the goalie that only has some promise that's going to be in Wilkes-Barre next year is Joel Blomquist. And even then, yep. he's not going to be NHL ready anytime soon. And so, like you said, he has he has the cards when it comes to negotiating with the Penguins. And I don't think that Tristan Jari uh, had a bad season last year. I, I hope, And it sucks that we haven't seen playoffs from him. The one thing I think I would like to see moving forward, and I was hoping that they could get maybe a different goalie for it, even though I didn't think it was going to happen, is to split up the starts a little bit more. Um, I think that Tristan Jari has suffered over his career of, and this goes back to like minors as well. When he plays too many games and has too many starts in the season, it starts to hamper on his performances. And I, I think that instead of having him starting in, 85% of the games, maybe you give Casey DeSmith some more starts and that will help him out. And that doesn't really necessarily help Jari out when it comes to contract negotiations, but it could in a way because I think that he could hold up those great performances for longer stretches of the year because I think we started to see last year as the season was going on and then before he got injured, his numbers started to dwindle a little bit. And I think that was because the Penguins really just had to rely on him himself. They didn't really have much from Casey to Smith until the, going into the spring where he started to turn it around. But I, I can't, I don't remember the last exact number, but Tristan Jari got vast majority of the starts. So I think if you could get it closer, I'm not asking for like 50, 50, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But if you can give Casey to Smith, at least like 30 starts in the season, I think that would do wonders for, for Tristan Jari and it would do better for him having to keep those statistics and negotiate for a contract the following year. The one thing that we haven't seen, like Smitty said, playoffs, but I, I think that we he was in a bad position last year. 2020 don't or 2021, don't even want to remember it. But we we haven't gotten that prove it year. Hopefully we get that in the season. We can see how he performs in the playoffs because I still have a lot of hope for Tristan Jari. Yeah, I like what you're talking about with the whole splitting starts and stuff. Maybe not 50-50, I agree with that. But if you look at when Tristan Jari really took off, that was the 2019-20 season, whenever it was Matt Murray and Tristan Jari splitting the starts. And maybe you don't mm -hmm. need that level because Jari has excelled and has exceeded what he was able to do in that season. But somebody to take a little bit of the brunt off your shoulders because even last year, Mike Sullivan was saying, hey, you know, maybe in the back half of the season, we're trying to get Tristan a little bit more of a blow because he hasn't really gotten it in the first half. I just spoke with uh, Josh Getzoff, the, the radio play-by-play -play guy, and he said, listen, if you look at the beginning of last season, Tristan Jari was arguably the Penguins' MVP. With all the injuries and all the COVID issues that they were happening, he was their rock, him and Chris Letang. So if he's able to go out there and do it again, and as Smitty said, prove it a little bit in the playoffs, he doesn't have to be Patrick Waugh in the playoffs, but if he can go out there and be serviceable and get the Penguins through a round and basically not cost them, is the big thing. That's what he did against the Islanders. He cost them the series. If he doesn't cost mm -hmm. them, then clearly he's one of the top 15 options as a number one, potentially top 10. I think he could push that. I think he can get up there for sure. I mean, early in the season, there was, I was thinking early talks of being a top five goalie in the league. That was just by numbers. But, you know, continuing on with contract talk, Tyler, I'll let you go first on this because you haven't talked first yet. But, I want you guys both to rate the Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin deals on a scale of one to 10. And are, do you think there are any soft spots? Where, what worries you about those deals in the future? I'll do Evgeny Malkin first. And I, I will give that a, 
I'll, I'll give it a nine out of 10. The only reason being is like my sweet spot would have been three years just to line them up with Crosby. But I mean, four years to get the deal done at 6.1 million. I think 6.1 million is a great number. And I thought that between six to 6.5 was a really sweet spot for getting Malkin back. And so giving up the extra year of term and hopefully he's, he's good by that t- point and continue, continue to play. But I, I think that that was well worth it. I'll give that a nine out of 10. <clears throat> Now with Chris Letang, it's it's tricky rating the contract because it's like the number wise that that's great that is a that's a eleven out of ten, but the term wise you had to give him six years to do it. But Chris Letang has given me no signs that he's going to be slowing down anytime soon. If he's thirty five years old, if you were going to see deteriorating, it would have started already. Now I, I might eat my words that he could fall off a cliff at three year three of this contract. But I just don't see that. So I'll give this one a 8 out of 10 just strictly because six years is a long time. He's going to be like 42 whenever this term ends up. But the number keeps it so good that I may, I may even want to give it higher. But both of these contracts were great. And in terms of yearly value, it is amazing for the Penguins. They, the fact that they were able to pull both of these off, and we're not even including Brian Rust as well, it was an amazing offseason considering that we might not have even kept all of them or th- any of them. Yeah. I'm giving them both 10 out of 10 just because they kept them penguins for life. Uh, no, <laughs> but seriously uh, with Gino, I mean, it's just so weird, man, that like people were so willing to push him out the door without a legit option in house or in free agency. Like everybody's plan a for, for this was Vincent Trocheck. Like you're ki- Are you kidding me? You're going to compare this guy to Malkin at 35, who is still a point-per-game player and really the pulse of the power play, a very poor power play, even when he is on it, but at least he gives them some semblance of a power play. They haven't been the same since Kessel left. I think we can all agree on that. that They were just uh, basing the power play completely around him, and they found no way to regain any traction on the power play since. Um, But Gino, still at his age, obviously, like Tyler, I think that we talked about it on our show, like, three years would have been great it would have lined up perfectly and it would have made a ton of sense but having to budge a little bit on that to get him at that number and make sure that he remains a penguin for life i I can live with it um so i i guess i would agree with the nine i can't go fully to 10 just because of the fourth year with letang i his game has aged so much more beautifully than i would have thought a couple years ago because i think that he was like kind of if not the one of the scapegoats for the sweep to the Islanders in 2019 and also the bubble loss to the Canadians. And I kind of thought, I didn't think that he was done or anything like that, but I was like, okay, obviously like Chris Letang's not the exact same player that we saw in his prime. And then last year has one of the best years of his career at his age too. And it's like, this guy keeps himself in better shape than, than anybody on the team. Like the cardio King of the Pittsburgh Penguins and Chris Letang, who's to say that, you know, as his career continues on into his late thirties and early forties, that that's going to be any different. So until I start to see deterioration, I, I don't have as many qualms about going to six years for him. It's another thing like I would have loved to, for it to have been in that three-year, four-year range, but then we're talking about a very ballooned number probably in the $9 million range. So uh, when you factor in both of those things, I'll say I like the, both those contracts more than Ricard Raquel's, if that means anything. <laughs> Yeah, Ron Hextall kind of got out of hand with the six-year term. He gave it to Rust, and everybody was like, yeah, he gave it to Letang. And they are like, all right, the number makes it all right. And he gave it to Raquel, and everybody was like, wait, what? Like, yeah, it's like the uh, it's like the um, 
like the Vince McMahon meme where he's like going back in the chair and then <laughs> yeah. fully falls over. Yeah. 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 That's exactly what it is too. And I think with Latang, the big thing is too, like obviously the big word that everybody has mentioned is regression because yeah, at some point father time is undefeated. It, everybody hits regression, but the level mm. at which Latang was playing last season, it's not that he was, Oh, he was the best defenseman on the penguins. It was all right. No, he was one of the top 10 defensemen in the national hockey league. And it wasn't particularly close. Like his, his level was elite last year. So even if he regresses, as long as it's not that severe of a, a drop off, as long as it's not go from going from something like that to PK Subban last year, then this contract is going to be worth it into the fourth and fifth year. Who's to say that maybe in year six, he has regressed to the point where he's a PK Subban. It's easier to eat a $6.1 million Chris Letang at the end of his career than PK Subban at 9 million for the New right. Jersey Devils. So I think if you compare it in that way, that's why I look at that and I'm like, okay, as long as he doesn't look at the cliff, jump off of it head first, then this contract should be fine. But Malkin on that, on that other end, when I see him, I'm like, okay, he's healthy right now. What, it, what does that mean? Because we haven't seen it in three years. What does a healthy Evgeny Malkin do, especially whenever it's healthy and it's very, very just tossed out to the back. Like he saw people say, maybe we can move on from Malkin. He's somebody that takes that into account. So him being healthy and taking all of that, what does that turn into? That's what I want to see. Maybe not for four years is that going to be able to continue, but I want to see what that does next season for Evgeny Malkin heading in with a full summer that he didn't have to rehab an injury. He might get a chip tattooed on his shoulder, honestly, <laughs> before the, before next season starts. Uh, but what I, I wanted to, as you were talking, it kind of made me think of this too, man. With First off, I don't think it's like a guarantee that Latang plays all six years in Pittsburgh because within yeah. that time frame, who knows what's going to be going on with Crosby? Who knows what's going to be going on with Gino? They could both be gone, you know? So at that point, if the Penguins start to rebuild, Latang could be moved to a contender if he agrees to it, you know, with obviously he has like the no movement stuff in the contract, yada, yada, yada. But also within six years, hopefully the Penguins develop some other right-handed defenseman that can maybe take the load off of him. Obviously, like Jeff Petrie's the number two this year. That's not going to be the case in six years. Um, but hopefully, you know, there's a prospect that comes through the system that can maybe lighten the workload of a Chris Letang in that time as well. There are names down there that are supposed to do something. <clears throat> Colin Sawyer, chief among them, but he's the future of the right hand. I mean, who exactly knows? Another thing about the Chris Letang deal is that the last two years of it are a modified no trade. Modified, right, yep. So you are able to have some flexibility there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a matter of how he is. I mean, I've been predicting a hard drop-off for Letang in his play for years now, and I've been proven wrong every year. So, good. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> I don't hate the deals either. It's just I was also one of the ones fully ready to lose Malkin, fully prepared for Doomsday. I'm also at the yeah. point where I, I think that the Penguins and like Malkin and Latang, these guys have paid their dues and they've kind of earned these contracts. And I understand, like, as an organization, and I'm sure Fenway Sports Group disagrees with this completely, but like, as an organization, like, they want to stay competitive completely, but. At what point do you like kind of disrespect what brought you here in a way? Because I mean, you won three cups under these guys, the and now these guys are going to be together for 20 seasons, realistically. And in any other sport, in any other team, name a trio that has done that. It's almost impossible to do that. And, and with the success that these guys have had. So it's, it, I think it's kind of a balance as well. Like, 
moving into the offseason, a lot of people were ready to move on. And I understand that from a competitive standpoint that, I mean, maybe not these next few years, but in the future, these guys could turn into worse players and you you want to stay competitive. But at what point do you also sacrifice the competitiveness a little bit for just being respectful of like these players and what they meant to the organization? You're not allowed to say that on Twitter, so don't tweet that. (laughs) Don't tweet that at all. I mean, it's not, and that's the thing. It's not repetition for repetition's sake and bringing these guys back. It's it's repetition for the sake that they were generally at the numbers they got the best options for the Pittsburgh Penguins to be competitive, especially Mm -hmm. next season. Because as I've been saying on the show for the past what three months now, the best chance for them to win a Stanley Cup is the next chance. It's not going to get easier a couple years down the road with this core with Sidney Crosby specifically. So go out there. If that's going to give you the best chance, then do that. That gives them a best chance than Trocek, as Smitty mentioned. That gives them a better chance than bringing in Kadri. It's the best chance to bring in a guy like Evgeny Malkin. But when more things stay the same, other things end up changing. So with all the moves on the Penguins' blue line this summer, obviously Petrie, Ruda, Smith, all being brought into the organization, Marino and Matheson sent the other direction. Do you mm-hmm. think the defensive side is set up to be better or worse than it was last season? We'll start with Tyler again. I think it's set up to be better. And I've said this on our show. I, I think, especially offensively, I think it definitely got better. Um, I, I think what Jeff Petrie and Ty Smith are going to bring offensively is going to be an upgrade from what we've got from like John Marino. And not not to say Mike Matheson, like, I think that's a kind of an even split between him and Petrie offensively, but then you add in Ty Smith uh, with, with subtraction of John Marino. John Marino just wasn't the same offensive player that we saw from his rookie season, and it didn't look like he was going to get back to that as well. So I'm I'm fine with that. And as far as the defense goes, defensively, I, I think that if anything, they stayed more or less the same. But I think bringing in Jan Ruda solid defensive defenseman and I think that allows Ty Smith assuming that they're going to be paired together to be able to do what he wants to do offensively but I also think that Ty Smith might benefit from being in a better organization not having PK Subban as his line as his line mate and um I think he could perform better defensively as well and then Jeff Petrie I I think that he's solid defensively really good offensively I think overall the defense got upgraded um I, I I think that Moving out Marino and moving out Matheson. It's not that I wanted to see Matheson go specifically, but the contract itself, that helps. And then Marino, he just wasn't the same player. He wasn't living up to the hype that all the Penguins fans dubbed him after his rookie season. He had the sophomore slump that continued into the season. And I will give him credit during the playoffs. He and Pedersen were the best pairing by far, I think. And he he had a really good series. But... I don't think that's going to make up for the lack of production over the last two seasons. And I, I think that overall in return, they got better. Yeah. I think from a defensive standpoint in a transition game, they definitely got better with a Petrie move alone. The Jan Ruda move obviously is going to help them. Uh, they wanted a net front presence defensively. They got pushed around a little bit too much in front of the goaltender. And I think that that was kind of the signing to make the statement um, that this just isn't going to happen again. Uh, To me though, the thing is like, I would say offensively for sure. If I knew Ty Smith was going to figure into the six for sure. But I think as we look at it right now, I'm not so sure that that's going to be the case that he's in that six on opening night. If they will see if they move another defenseman out, that's obviously still possible. Um, But I'm not like 
putting in pen that he's going to be part of the the original defense that they go into the season with. Um, to me, guys, though, the big thing with the defense is going to be what version of Brian Dumoulin do we have playing next to Chris Letang? I think that's going to define how good this defense is. And at this point now, seeing consecutive down years for him, I'm I'm kind of like the ship has sailed for me on him ever being a top pairing defenseman at this point. But I don't know that they have like another option to play next to Chris Letang. They tried it with Matheson last year. Well, Mike Matheson's no longer here. Like who who would be the guy if it's not going to be Brian Dumlin playing next to Chris Letang? But to me, that's what's going to define how good this defense is going to be. Uh, but on paper right now, I would say they definitely got better overall uh, defensively in the short term. <laughs> Yeah, I think the defense, it's it's going to be much better, I do think, too. It's a bunch of new faces. Sorry that my trash just emptied. Um, <laughs> I was wondering what that was. Yeah, uh, I had to delete a bunch of things because my recording stopped, so I panicked for a second. Mm. Anyway, yeah, the defense should be much better. I didn't like losing Matheson per se, but the, losing the contract is a bonus. Taking in Petries doesn't help, but it was all about the Mike Matson contract for me. Uh, it should be an interesting defense, but uh, before we cut you guys loose here, I had to ask a football-related question that oh, I boy. thought was very entertaining. Whenever uh, the signing first happened, it went around the Odyssey office because it was a fun little joke. Not saying that either of their jobs are in jeopardy, um, but we know the fans of the city can be harsh uh, with a bunch of new quarterbacks coming into the North Shore and not a lot of postseason success. Uh, for the Penguins, which Mike Sullivan leaves Pittsburgh first? Oh boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna say honestly, like with NHL coaches' shelf life, like obviously Sullivan has obviously surpassed that by far already. But uh, to me, it's the quarterbacks coach, Mike Sullivan. Yeah, I just don't see a way that Mike Sullivan, Penguins Mike Sullivan, is going to be removed from his duties. Um, I, I think he's one of the, he's a top three coach in the league to me, and and very very biasedly opinion by the way. But I still think that. <laughs> I mean, um, but I think that at the end of the day, a quarterbacks coach is going to be a lot easier to replace than a NHL head coach. I mean, as much as like the NHL head coach likes to just replace itself with all the same coaches, it's still harder to replace. So I think that just from that standpoint, the quarterback's coach, Mike Sullivan, is going to be the first to go. You want me to tie in all three teams here? Absolutely. Okay. Is there a Mike Sullivan so on the we Pirates? Talk, we all, no, there's not a Mike Sullivan on the Pirates, but you'll see where I'm going with this. So we always talk about how Oscar Marine, the pitching coach for the Pirates, like his career is basically attached at the hip to Mitch Keller's development. If he couldn't get anything out of him, he wasn't going to be the pitching coach for long. For me, tying it back to Mike Sullivan of the Steelers, I think his tenure is going to be predicated on what does Kenny Pickett develop into by year two. If if we're not if Kenny Pickett's not the starter at some point in year two, see you, Mike Sullivan. That's the direction I was hoping you were going to take in it because it's not based on how good or bad Mike Sullivan, the Steelers Mike Sullivan, is as a coach. It is how these quarterbacks perform. Mitch Trubisky for this year, Kenny Pickett toward the end, maybe in the next season. And what do we do with Mason Rudolph? Like, there's questions. I, I, need got, to I got a few under ideas. Center. No, there's quite a few ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Rocket to the moon is one of them, I'd say. Mm -hmm. I personally I think, think he'd make a great astronaut. <laughs> I personally think that if Mason Rudolph doesn't throw eight touchdowns on Saturday, then Mike Sullivan should be fired anyway. 
Listen, if you if you go back and look at like his track record, Mike Sullivan's that is, I, I have no idea like what. He, so he was with the Giants when Eli Manning, obviously, like Eli Manning, pretty solid quarterback, won a couple mm-hmm. Super Bowls, but he wasn't the quarterback coach at that point. Like he was there, I guess, and he was also in Denver, I think, for a period of time, like when Peyton Manning was there, wasn't the quarterback coach. Like I I I have a hard time figuring out what this guy's done uh, to be in this position at this point, but he. Sh- he shared an iPad with two legendary quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. He was in Denver, by the way, in 2018. So wouldn't that have been Drew? Oh, no, no. Yeah, that's rookie season. Yeah, that's after. Yeah, that's after. For some reason, I thought it was before that. I thought he had more. He was only there in 2018. Yeah. Okay. So that was that the how many years? What years was he actually the quarterback coach somewhere? Because let's figure out the quarterback that he's actually worked with. So 2018. Drew Locke. Uh, that is Drew Locke, right? He's, he's um, a yeah, solid player. And yeah. 2015 so with the Giants. And also 2011. 2015 and 2010 and 11. So Eli. Right, so that was all. all. Yeah. Yeah. So he worked with Eli and Drew Locke. But he worked he worked with Eli six years into his career. Like that's like being Ben's quarterback coach. What, what are you teaching him at that point? I don't know how to show up to practice. You're just getting him his juice box whenever he wants it. (laughs) He's really quick on that return to go into the bathroom, making sure you wipe his butt. That's all. That's all it is. (laughs) But I don't know, guys. Uh, I think we're 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 heading off the rails a little bit. But I think that's where we're going to cut this one off. But that'd be that's how you bring Tyler and I. Yeah, if you bring Tyler and I onto a show, this is this is how the last five minutes or so always go. So (laughs) for future reference. Nonetheless, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Let our listeners know where they can find you and what's coming up for you guys at Around the 412. I'll let Tyler do that because he always does the intro for our show. All right. Well, you can follow us at Around the 412 on Twitter. I mean, we have Instagram if you want to do do it there, but we don't really use it. And then you can search us on Around the 412 on YouTube as well, where Smitty just kicked off our fantasy football show yesterday. And you can follow DK Pittsburgh Sports on YouTube as well. Smitty does a lot of uploading for that, and that's where our show is posted. Also, we have channels on Spotify, Apple, really really anywhere that you listen to podcasts. You can go follow us there. And then we also have kicked off our Christmas fundraiser. This is a big thing that we have going on. It's called Rocking Around the 412. This is year five. Um, It's basically... For those of you who don't know, we raise a bunch of money and we get to help a bunch of families and help kids. And we basically buy them gifts. We we literally get Christmas lists for from each family, get them whatever they want. And we're able to help a bunch of uh, kids with Christmas because Smitty and I really never had to worry about where gifts or meals were going to be coming from growing up around that time of year. And so we want to give back to the people that can't say the same. And so this is year five of doing it. We've helped what? over 30 kids oh, in total in or total last year total oh, man in total I mean, it's raised over because... we've raised over twenty thousand dollars in the last four years we're hoping to in last year alone we raised a little over eleven thousand dollars we're hoping to eclipse that this year but yeah you can go check that out it's our pin tweet on our twitter at around the four and two and if you don't have twitter for some reason which we never thought of until like a month ago that people <laughs> don't have twitter you can go to gofundme.com and you can search rocking around the four and two it should be it should pop up you'll say uh fundraiser by zachary smith and you can read our mission and learn all about there 
Well, guys, I think I speak for most people from Pittsburgh when I say two of the best personalities on Pittsburgh Twitter. And I want to thank you guys so much for joining us here at the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. And we will see you guys, obviously, the next time you come on. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Of course, another thank you goes out to Tyler and Smitty of the Around the 412 podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network for joining us on the early portion of the show. We love talking to them. Like we said, it's August. We need to get some differing opinions in here because... The stories aren't changing at this point. They're not changing until the end of this month. So we like to get some differing opinions in here and we'll continue to do that through the rest of the month. But as we always do on Thursdays, we're going to finish off this episode with our shout outs and our call outs. Horwat, who are you shouting out this week? I'm going to make my shout out a little preemptive and just hope for the best. It's me summoning some uh, some good some good uh, good stuff for tonight. I'm going to see Billy Joel tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Hey. And uh, I'm going to preemptively shout out Billy Joel for a great show just because I've never seen him before. You asked me yesterday if uh, if I had seen him before, and I had not. Have you? I have. Billy Joel was actually the first concert I ever went to. It That's... was an 18th. Yeah, it, it was. I had never gone to concerts. So the first one, I wanted it to be special. And uh, for Christmas, a Billy Joel tickets were given to me. That's a good start. And I guess I've never seen him before, so I'm super excited. Uh, it's also the only the second show I've ever seen at PNC Park. I know they're rare, but they're usually giant shows. Like Ed Sheeran a few years ago. I think Metallica is coming in a couple days. Uh, and obviously Green Day, Fall Out Boy, and Weezer were there last year. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see The Piano Man for the first time, and hopefully not the last. And... These legacy artists that come through, I mean, Billy Joel's been doing this for 50 years. We can safely call him a legacy artist. Yes. Um, yeah, these legacy artists that come through, like I saw the Stones at Heinz, at Kishore. It was Heinz Field at the time, I could call it that. <laughs> I saw the Stones yeah. at Heinz Field a few months back, a lot of months back at this point. Uh, but, and they still kicked ass. So I'm hoping a little bit for the same from uh, good old Billy Joel tonight. The pride of Long Island, as my old roommate would call him. Yeah, I think it's a safe bet that you're going to get a pretty good show from Billy Joel. I mean, the guy, there's the reason he's called the Piano Man, you know, obviously. And I know Elton John is another legacy artist that I would love to see, but I just do not have the uh, the bankroll to be able to afford to go see Elton John on his 18th farewell tour. Yeah, I was going to say, don't worry, his, his uh, 19th or 20th or whatever farewell round of the same farewell tour will come through. The I, I, ironic thing, quick sidebar on the Elton John tour. I ironically looked it up. I was with my mom in Florida, and I looked up that tour because we discussed it being so long. He only had to cancel, like, a handful of shows for COVID. It wasn't many. That tour was planned to have a little break at that time, so he kind of lucked out. Well, either planned or things were moved. It was, it, was it was a little confusing on the Wikipedia, but it didn't look like he had to adjust too much with the pandemic. And to be fair, Wikipedia is definitely the most reliable source yes. in the history of the internet. But um, but it's also a I, long tour. It's been on since like 2019. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. But um, I'm going to take this a different direction with my shout out. Something that I don't think has ever been spoken about on this podcast. I'm going to soccer. Or football, as it were. Because I'm trying to get into the English Premier League this year. Because I saw that it was starting. I have Peacock this year. I figured, okay... There's a nice little start, and I realized it's almost like football, where it's you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and it's one game a week. 
So that's easier to get into, easier to follow along. So I watched a couple of games last week, and the one guy that stood out to me is this young guy, 22 years old, from Norway, Erling Haaland. I hope I'm saying that correctly. He plays for Manchester City, made his debut last week. Two goals, the only two goals, and a 2-0 to win over West Ham United. Sorry for Jesse Marshall, of course. West Ham is his team. They lost on his birthday, no less. But, I mean, happy belated birthday to the great Jesse Marshall. The best person born on August 7th, for sure, in Pittsburgh sports. But uh, the second goal for Haaland was the one that just absolutely blew me away. Because it was ridiculous pure speed. I know you don't watch Marvel, but anybody that listens to this podcast right now that has watched Marvel and has seen Avengers Infinity War and seen Captain America sprinting past everybody and looking just light years faster than everybody else on the screen, that's exactly what Holland looked like. I, I'll send you the goal. The ball was just chipped out in front and he just chased it down. Nobody was anywhere close to him. Dude is seriously skilled. He's only 22 years old. And he's going to be an electric factory for Man City this year, who's won four of the past five English Premier Leagues from what I've, I've learned. So it's going to be another good year, it seems like, for Man City. Yeah, you're getting into soccer at the right time, too. I mean, it's... World Cup. The World, the World Cup is coming up despite its not good background and not good true reasoning for it having to be played in December. But the World Cup is coming up. I've been in and out of soccer for a couple years. One of my best friends in high school played soccer, and we watched a ton of it. Uh, through my high school days, and you know, whenever you first mentioned soccer, I thought you were gonna call or shout out the uh, the MLS All Star game because I got a bunch of those clips on my Twitter for some reason. I got none of those still. They, I, I saw a bunch of them on Imogen whenever I was yep. doing stuff, but I, I've never seen a clip. They did a uh, uh, what's it called? They did like a skills competition. I saw a bunch of clips for. Hmm. But anyway, yeah, you'll enjoy soccer if you're into sports at all. I mean, it's yeah. Soccer is a ton of fun. Football is a ton of fun. Um, and there's this, there is this weird new wave of players coming out. Like you said, this kid's 22. Um, uh, I forget what his name is now, but that kid that's from America is supposed to really drive the American team. I forget if we're in the World Cup or not. I, I feel like it starts with a P. Yes, but he's supposed to be stupid good as well and from the States. Uh, there's this fun new group of young kids coming up into the league. Into the league into the sport that uh, should be turning it on its head because, I mean, Messi and Ronaldo aren't getting any younger. I don't even know if Wayne Rooney's still playing. I think he is, actually. I think he's in the MLS. Um, like, a bunch of these older names that I watched in high school, are, they're still there, but they're a little older now, and for what it's worth, I've still, I'm still seeing clips of Ronaldo, who is a freak of nature at all times. Yeah, he, he made his, I don't know if it was his debut, but he came in in relief. For Man City or Man United last week, I should say. See, I'm I'm new. His at this. return, I think. But yeah, it might have been. Yeah, it might have been his his return. Christian Pulisic uh, is the guy that you're yes. you're mentioning, of course. But um, no, I'm trying to get into it. I'm still very very new at this, so I'm not going to bring it up very often. But when I see something as ridiculous as what Erling Haaland was able to do in his debut and how much of a freak of nature he is, I think he's like six seven too. So like O'Neill Cruz vibes big blonde Norwegian dude at the age of 22 he's already kind of a superstar but like I said what kind how do you score two goals in your debut for a team that's won four of the last five championships and all of a sudden you're that guy on that team I think that's it was impressive to me that's winning the lottery for that team I mean I think in soccer it's more just who has the most money but again exactly I'm still learning 
I'm still learning. But uh, let's move over to call-outs. And I want to call out, speaking of O'Neill Cruz, I'm going to call out a Pittsburgh Pirate. I'm going to call out Rodolfo Castro. What are you doing with your iPhone in your pocket when you're running the base pads? If you didn't see it a couple games ago, Rodolfo Castro, who was just called up a couple days prior to that, playing in a game against the Arizona Diamondbacks down in Arizona at, I believe it's still Chase Field, slides headfirst in the third base, and something fell out of his pocket. It looked like it was an iPhone, but surely it couldn't be because that, you know, is against the rules in the MLB. But I think the funniest part was the umpire had no idea what to do about it because the umpire was the first person to notice it. And he looked down, and he looked so puzzled, and then he looks at, at Castro, taps him on the shoulder, and he just points down like, is that is that your phone? And, and Castro was just like, oh, yeah. And he tries to hand it to the third base coach. The third base coach is like, I don't – why do we even – So I, I'm just going to call him out because what are you doing, man? I mean, if it's against the rules of the MLB, I know he was just called up, but he's been to the MLB before. He's been at the MLB level before. It might be a thing where he just forgot it was in his back pocket. But, again, like, how do you forget – that your phone is in your back pocket when you're playing a sport, a professional sport, no less. I guess that's just uh, the Pirates doing the Pirates things every once in a while, and that's still one of them. So you know what's so interesting about this story that I think? I talked about this with my boss the other day, yesterday. Hmm. If, if if this happened to any other team in the league, any other player that wasn't the, on the Pirates, this is a bad thing. We're looking at it as a joke because it's the because... Pirates, and we suck. Well, who cares? What's he going to do with yeah. that phone? Cheat? No, had this happened to an Astro, oh, all hell would be breaking loose. Yeah. The MLB isn't even taking it that seriously. If this was any other team, like the Yankees or the Dodgers or even the Mets at this point, Mm -hmm. the MLB would have already handed out some sort of disciplinary action. The MLB had to consider this. I don't even (laughs) think they did yet. I just saw Ken Rosenthal tweet, technically he broke the rules. No word from the MLB yet. should get fined. Yeah, no word from the MLB yet. I don't think he's tweeted about it since. If this was any other team, you would have seen Ken Rosenthal tweet before the game was over, yeah, he's been fined. <laughs> like, just because it's the Pirates and we're kind of a laughing stock, the league doesn't even care. They're like, honest mistake, moving along. Next, we have other, I don't know, hall, we have other Hall of Fame issues to worry about because we're not letting certain people in. Yeah. Uh, it's it, That's what's really funny about this is that if it was anyone else, it's bigger news. But instead, it's just a joke. If it was anyone else and if the Pirates were actually winning that game, which they were not, and they ended up not winning that game. I mean, they did win last night, so props to them, but it, it is the Pirates, and, and the Pirates is the Pirates, and that's just what ends up happening. I, I just I thought it was entertaining, but... I thought it was funny. Yeah. I'm just going to call them out because, like, dude, what are you doing? No, exactly. I thought it was entertaining, but again, just any other team, this is national headline news of a, another cheating scandal about to be opened up. Oh, well. <laughs> but anyway... We're going to flip it back to hockey and close out this episode strong with my call-out because the New York Rangers named their captain. Now, I'm going to have this discussion without mentioning, without mentioning the... Uh, well, without we, mentioning, we, know what you're, we know what you're not mentioning, so don't even bring it yeah. up. There are multiple other players on that team that could have, that should have been given the captaincy over Jacob mm-hmm. Truba. Zabinajad's been there a long time. Crowder's been there his entire career, I think. Jacob Truba is not even the most deserving defenseman on that team for the captaincy. I'd say Adam Fox, despite his age, should be above that. I think Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Gabriel Landeskog, they've all proven that age doesn't really matter when it comes to being handed 
uh, the captaincy of a team. It's just a matter of how much leadership you exude. And Adam Fox seems to be doing plenty of that. I mean, it's his second team already. Maybe that's a factor in there. But still, it's uh, he's one of the best players on the team. He's your highest paid defenseman. I mean, imagine being the highest paid defenseman and not the leader of that core. But, uh, hey, it happens. It's going to happen here, too. Um, but still, just like I said, putting those things to the side there are still more deserving players on the rangers and then for them to just i think it was msg the tv network tweeted out a lot of his dirty hits and said our captain has toughness or something and uh whoa that was a fun time so the rangers what do you you have more deserving players than that yeah and the big thing with me is like obviously you mentioned Kreider, I, I thought was a shoe in yes. if not Kreider's a Benajad, because he's clearly, if you watched last season and last postseason specifically, Benajad was the leader for that team. Like, even when he wasn't performing against the Pittsburgh Penguins, you could see that team went as he went, and, and he was obviously a big reason as to why they won. But I think it's funny that you mention it, and you obviously said, oh, imagine being the highest paid defenseman on your team, but not the leader of that group, like Jeff Petrie is for the Pittsburgh Penguins next year. It happens, but I, I think... Whenever I saw that, I was like, well, this wouldn't be a big deal if you weren't the New York Rangers. Like, you're an original six franchise. The people that have worn that seat, Mark Messier, uh, I don't think Wayne Gretzky ever wore it, but, like, that type of player. And then you're like, oh, yeah, Jacob Truba adds to that lineage. And you're like, wait, what? Like, really? Like, I mean, I, I guess Ryan McDonough, but... Still, like that, that's very different in the fact that, like, they named Jacob Truba the captain. And I just looked at it and I said, okay, even Panarin, I mean, he's yeah. the highest paid pair, player for a reason. I think he's probably the best player on that team overall, him or Adam Fox. But I was like, I understand that sometimes the best player doesn't get the captaincy, but it, may, it makes really no sense from the outside looking in. I will say, none of us are in that room. So maybe he is the, the, visual and verbal leader in that locker room which would make it make more sense but I still feel like I've seen that from the outside looking in with Kreider with Zibanejad and I, I personally think those are better candidates but at the end of the day if they want to make Jacob Trouba their captain they must know something that we don't know or see something that we don't see and I mean congrats to him I hope he doesn't knock somebody out with that C on his chest though yeah I mean that's true too imagine your captain getting suspended let me just to read down some of the list you mentioned Ryan McDonough Ryan Callahan Chris Drury Sure, it's not the brightest of names of recent history, but the Rangers haven't had the brightest of history in recent history. Uh, or brightest of teams, I should say. Uh, but then you go, Yarmir Yager, Mark Messier, Brian Leach, Mark Messier again. I mean, Phil Esposito back in the day, Brad Park, if you want to keep going back. Vic Hadfield. They've had names that have, Andy Bathgate, that have worn that New York Rangers captaincy uh, properly and did it with tremendous amounts of leadership i like i said maybe like you said sorry maybe there's something in that locker room we don't know totally fair but from the outside looking in and putting the hits aside that still just looks weird look at your personnel he's not the most deserving one on the blue line of that team mm -hmm. so it's an interesting decision it's a small thing but it's also summer so i'm going to pick on small things plus i don't like the rangers yeah. or jacob truma so you know <laughs> Well, and like I said, it's only a big deal because it is an original six franchise, because it is that pillar, that New York Rangers pillar, Broadway boys, and all that fun jazz. That's like when Zdeno Chara left the Boston Bruins. If the Bruins would have been like, okay, Charlie McAvoy, 
is our captain. It's like, well, there's Patrice Bergeron, there's David Posternock, there's Brad Martin. All of these guys are a better option. But okay, I guess whatever. But they named Bergeron the captain because that's the clear and obvious choice. I feel like Bergeron is Kreider in this situation. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I thought that that's where they were going to go, but they didn't. Oh, well. I mean, we'll see how that works out for them. Yeah, we'll see. I, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, no, the captaincy does mean a lot. I was going to say, at the end of the day, overall, the captaincy doesn't mean too, too much in terms of winning or losing hockey games. Um, but it deserves more credit than what it does get. I mean, it's a big thing about talking to the refs. Maybe he's a real smooth talker when it comes to talking to the stripes, you know? Like, maybe that's what it is. Clearly, he must be. He's gotten out of multiple suspensions. Anyway. I knew that was coming. It had to get in there at some point. I knew that was coming. But just imagine May or June of 2023, the New York Rangers have won the Stanley Cup, and the person to go out there to accept it is Jacob Trouba. That, too. That, too. It's always because it's the caption who gets it first, and you have to think mm-hmm. about who's wearing it when that happens because you're handing it to Jacob Trouba over, I'm assuming, multiple guys that led the team over him. Ooh, yeah. I mean, like, look at the last couple of years. It was Landeskog, Stamkos, Stamkos, Alex Petrangelo, uh, Alex Ovechkin in 2018, then Crosby, Crosby. And even before that, it was who, who won in 2015? Taves. So, and Dustin Brown. Like, these these are all, I mean, Dustin Brown might be the most similar that you get to Jacob Trouba. No, that's because that was before they handed it to Kopitar. Yeah, but that again, that's like that's the outlier. So I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I really particularly don't care. But it is August 11th, and we need something to talk about. And I'll get upset over something like that, obviously, yeah. because you We're know bored. why not? We're bored. Yeah, ex- it was also We're the bored. biggest news of that day. I mean, Kevin Weeks tweeted out yesterday that keep an eye on the Islanders to make some moves. It's been 24 hours and nothing has happened on the Islanders front. He's just telling you to keep an eye on people. Not that they're going to do anything, but let's say, take a look at these guys, you know? follow their Twitter whenever they announce Kadri signed with them. Well, we all know that he signed with them probably a month ago, but that's just in the drawer of Lou Lamorello's desk. That forbidden door of a drawer that none of us have ever seen into. He forgot that contract's there. He he forgot to tell Oh, no, no, no. He waits until all of his moves are done, then he just announces them all at once. He did it last year. He did it last year with, what was it, Parise, Beauvillier, uh, other, uh, a couple other names. He announced them all at the same time. And it's like, have these been done for months? Like, these have had to be done for months. You did not do all of this today. Oh, Lou. Lou just, you know, Lou is, is his own person. And honestly, the NHL would be different if he wasn't around. So I appreciate it. But... That's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you again to Smitty and Tyler of Around the 412 for joining us. We're going to look to bring on a couple more guests, talk a little bit more about Penguins hockey, and we'll be back on Monday talking about more different things because it is August, and that's what you do in the off season. See you guys next week. Have a great weekend, Penguins fans. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.